Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Seeing It All. We break down this week's biggest movie and TV news. We got a whole lot to discuss this week. I got a Nun 2 review. The Nun 2 review, Ahsoka Episode 4, is absolutely amazing. Equalizer 3 delivers at the box office, proving Denzel Washington's star power. And Disney Plus has some Marvel show delays, which is very, very, very. So the first topic I want to start off start us off with today is my Nun 2 review. So I was planning on watching the first Nun. But I realized I didn't want to do that to myself. I just I was sitting down. I almost forgot about it. I was sitting down about a couple hours before the film came out. I was like, oh, crap. I haven't watched the first nun. So I turned it on. First 10 minutes or so, I was like, I can't do this to myself. I was I, I couldn't do it. So I couldn't come to first watch the first nun. So, well, first of all, I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score and had a 24% Rotten Tomatoes. I, I'm not doing that to myself. And then I was like, okay, let me just watch an Indian Explained video. That's all I did. I just watched an Indian Explained video. And then when I got to the film itself, they explained everything that happened in the first nun in like 10 minutes. So I was like, okay, I'm all cut up. I'm all good. So knowing that, that I didn't actually watch the first nun movie, the nun 2, I'm very mixed about. I'm leaning more positive, but I'm still mixed. An hour into the movie, I really thought I was going to hate it. But the last 30 minutes, the big finale kind of saves the whole film for me and pushes it over to where they won me over by the end of it. There are two distinct plot lines present here. Um, there are separate plot lines that don't meet until the finale starts. So probably like an hour and 10 minutes of the movie until they meet. And it's just, let me start off with the boring plot line, the, the bad plot line. And that's where we follow this sort of pseudo fit. We follow this one guy, the groundskeeper. We follow this mom and we follow her daughter. The mom's a school teacher. And we follow the daughter and like her group of bullies and stuff like that. It was at a boarding school. It was so boring. Oh my goodness. It, it was just, it was just awful. Um, most of the jump scares were held here. And honestly, most of the kills were probably at the boarding school. I think almost all of them were there at the boarding school. And it was, like, nonsense at all. They just kept repeating the same stuff anymore. And the nun kind of loses some of her scare factor when she just keeps pulling the same tricks over and over again. It was just became, like, so repetitive. I was like, can we just speed it up? Can we go? And I didn't like the characters at all in the um, in the boarding school. Not one bit. We followed the school teacher who's the mom, who's also the actress from, like, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when she was little. She was awesome here. I loved her in it. It's cool to see her back at something again after she kind of took a break because she was a child actress. Um, we also follow along her daughter, who does not do anything special, but other than scream a lot towards the end, she screamed a lot, but she didn't do really do anything particular. Also, we have the groundskeeper who is Maurice. He's from the first movie, and the first movie was named Frenchie. So if you've seen the first movie, you know that he kind of gets like possessed a little bit, and that's how he causes all the problems in this movie. He's very key to the whole plot line, and he takes a much more central role in the final act than I would like him to. I'd like to focus more on the nun and a few other creatures that show up, and I don't like that they focused a lot on him. So he was just a boring character. He didn't have really much charisma, and I, I cared about none of the people, So by the way. Also, some of the bullies at the school, they had those in the headmistress. They're all just boring. I don't. There are people I do not care about one bit, and the stuff they did was just so boring. It was just agony, but don't, don't let me talk about the other plot line before they converge. They converge, but let me talk about the other plotline, and that's following their two nuns who are played by the actress from the first film, and also Storm Reed, who I did not know was in this film. Storm Reed is in this. I'm so glad that Storm Reed is in this. I love Storm Reed and everything. I was like, they cannot kill her often. I'm just going to leave it at that. But the, the plotline we follow with the nun shows them investigating. Eventually, they are talking about what happened in the last movie, and she doesn't reveal that she was involved in the last one until much later. And once they get to once they get to the reveals and they finally discover their plan and they're going to go out and help these people it really gets going and they discover the mystery you also see that scene from the trailer with the magazine slip that was the best scene in the movie when you see the magazines flipping that was awesome and eventually forming the picture of the nun that was what they use in most of their promotion times best scene in the movie by far honestly 
and the this chemistry they have, all the drama and stuff like that, and especially with other priests and discovering trinkets and stuff, it's just absolutely it's working on all levels. And that's probably a good like 30 minutes of the movie. And I felt like they had that those 30 minutes and they worked in like maybe 15 minutes of the other plot line, and then they had the big finale. I think we could have had a really tight hour, 25-minute movie that worked like was a really good horror film. But we didn't. So I really enjoyed that plot line. I really didn't enjoy the other one. I was like, oh, this is like really mixed until they met at the end for the last 30 minutes. And we see it just, it goes on for a while. It went on for too long. And I would have liked it too. the final battle. We see the nun take effect. We see other demons. Um, we see crazy crap. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's like the one thing I really love about this movie. And we see some, they, you spend all their budget in the last like 10 minutes in the movie. It's awesome. And I really think they delivered on that right there. And it really won me over by the end of the movie. So yeah, horror has been, this year evil dead rise and talk to me were really good and they're really high bars i said no horror movies really scare me at all like at all but if you can get me thrilled then i was there i was not thrilled for this movie so i don't think you're going to get like the the necessary thrill factor you're looking for fear factor you're looking for in this film it's not going to give it to you um it's not too much terribly to say about none it's kind of just a standard horror film um but brace yourselves like we have like 10 horror movies coming out in the next two months it's gonna be it's gonna be rough this horror this show is basically gonna turn into a horror movie review channel at this point why are there so many horror films releasing because they make bank is out that is why so yeah none overall i enjoyed it had a really rough one plot line and a really good other plot line but overall i it pushed me towards the end of loving it not loving it but giving it a good positive review um the now as for other people's reactions box office box office projection predictions excuse me i can't talk the first stun has a 34 percent a 24 percent rotten tomatoes excuse me ouch um so let's say the score for the sequel is better but that isn't saying much as the sequel now sits at around 59 percent rotten tomatoes but it's almost fresh but still considered rotten i think that's a good score for this film it doesn't deserve high praise but it doesn't deserve to be trashed on um right now it's eyeing a 30 million opening weekend which comes way under the first none which came out in 2018 and opened to like 53.5 million I can't believe it opened that big. That's incredible. That's the biggest opening by far of the entire Conjuring franchise. That includes Conjuring, Annabelle, and the Nun movies. That was absolutely insane. And they definitely didn't recapture that here. Um, this is much lower than that because I think how bad the first one was. And I think it had like a C cinema score. So people did not like that first one. It really tarnished people looking forward to this one too. And I don't think the trailers were honestly that good for this. It was just a lot of screaming people. And it was like, oh, it's so loud. I didn't like the trailers. Um, the first film's budget was $22 million. They made bank on that movie. And the second film has a 30 million budget, 30 million budget to 35. They're not sure. We're not sure. They should be sure. Who knows? Um, so you'd like to see the box office go up with the sequel, with the budgets increasing, especially. But I think because they made it for so cheap, they will be celebrating with this performance right here. So yeah, it's definitely not the box office perf not performing on par with how the first one did at the box office. And I don't think delaying the critic scores helped with the audience feelings towards the film at all, because the critic scores came out like three hours before the film released. So people were like, oh, this movie's probably bad. So overall, I still say go see it i mean i wouldn't as my my rating metric crap i can't remember my own rating metric i keep changing up all the time but i think it's good it's not a great film it's it's okay horror film definitely watch evil dead rise and talk to me if you're looking for a good horror film but yeah so that's it that's it for my nun next up we have to talk about box office of this past week sticking with the box office news and that is equalizer 3 which dominated somehow i don't know I, that's the first equalizer film i've ever seen and i was not expecting i was expecting an action thriller but i found the film not thrilling at all and quite boring if you heard my review last week i laid into this movie it was definitely not for me definitely the film that everybody seems to love and i really did not like and i found it very extremely boring but equalizer and denzel washington fans love it i am so happy for you guys as the film received an a cinema score that is outstanding the equalizer fans they got what they wanted 
Now, I know the film is not for me, nor this franchise at this point. This, I just know these films aren't for me. But also with that A7 score means greater box office returns for the third film. I just I just can't believe how many people are reacting are reacting to this and how much money the film is actually making. The film did open above industry projections. It still did open in the second film. So for the three-day, Equalizer 3 came in about, I think, with like $34.5 million, which is excellent. And then that's slightly above the first Equalizer's $34.1 million, which... I don't know what year that came out, but Equalizer 2 came out in 2018. That made like 36 million. So it's like right in between those. The franchise is incredibly steady, and I do not think the actor strike affected this film at all because Denzel Washington, he already hates doing promotion. I bet he was honestly glad to get out of the promotion of this film. People know what film he was making. They didn't even really advertise the film at all. I, I didn't see this anywhere. The people knew what they wanted, and they got it. Um, you typically typically like to see a franchise, as I said, with like the nun stuff go up over time as the budgets usually increase, the actors demanding more money because they're like, oh, you got to bring me back on. You want to pay me a little bit more. But it's really good that the film hasn't that this film franchise has not gone down at all. Over the four day holiday weekend, the film made about 42 million, which is the second highest grossing Labor Day performance, which isn't saying much. It's 42 million. Um, it's ever second highest only under Shang-Chi's, which came out Shang-Chi and Legend of Ten Rings, which came out in 2021. That made like 94 million um, over the four day holiday weekend. Um, please, please make Shang-Chi 2 a vital MCU project. I absolutely love Shang-Chi. It's a reason it made so much money. I, I absolutely love the first Shang-Chi. Now I really want to go rewatch it at this point. Um, but typically Labor Day is far from being the last... Um, typically Labor Day, most studios expect like, oh, people want to be outside because it's the last day of summer. It's the last week of summer. It's not really last week of summer anymore. We started school like three weeks ago. School usually start early August at this point. I think this long weekend break would give people like a break from the heat. It's a four-day weekend. Someday we'll somebody will make it out to go see a movie. I think it's just stupid. So next year, Sony moved Craven from October of this year. So stupid again. To Labor Day of next year. And I think it'll make more money opening in that spot than any other. Although I still don't see Craven making it money. It just looks so bad. It looks so awful. Um, could Labor Day weekend become a coveted release spot just like the beginning of summer is? Why not? The end of summer, I can see it. I can see it. Hopefully, if Craven performs well, studios will begin to more put more releases there. I, I think they could do great stuff there. As for overseas performance for Equalizer 3, the film opened as the best of the franchise, which is surprising, like even more than Equalizer 2 to 26 million overseas for a global opening of 60 million. The film only has a budget of 70 million, probably just pocketed it, it into Denzel Washington's pocket. So it's well on its way to profitability, along with that coveted A Cinema score. Tremendous performance from Denzel, and this is strictly Denzel's wins, like this is 100 percent his. People came from Denzel and he delivered, and that's why he gets a big salary. Another Sony film that is not doing as well is Gran Turismo. Um, Gran Turismo did not fail this far, fare so well in second weekend. Well, most because of its inflated first weekend. Its second Friday fell like 82% from its first Friday because that was when they lumped in like the two weeks of previews they had. Remember last week we were talking about how they didn't really technically have number one, but they lumped in two weeks of previews. That was all lumped into Friday. So you see all, saw a massive drop off in its second Friday. Um, but if it fell, if you look at the pure Fridays, it took just taking account Friday last week, it only fell 62%. Um, so it's not as bad, but without the previews, it probably would have fallen around 50%. Um, this weekend it made 6.5 million, which is still not good for this film. I do not see it's making this money back in the theaters, but I'm just repeating myself this film. I don't want to say this as a headline. <laughs> say this headline you get for lumping. This is the headline you get for lumping all of those previews. A very steep drop off in the second weekend. And if the audience didn't like the film, it could have even been worse. Um, last up in the box office news, I want to mention Barbie. I have to mention this now. It's now the biggest film of the year, the biggest Warner Brothers film of all time, internationally and domestic. It's also number 15 now, I think, all time worldwide for any movie. It just it just keeps going, going, going. It extended its theatrical release. Now it's they had this digital release for September 5th. Now it's September 12th, I believe. Then they're doing an IMAX release September 22nd with 
extra in credit scenes. So there's like no release date in sight for Max at this point, which is good. But I still think they should wait for streaming a little bit. Maybe put it out like early October. Because I think you want to go people to go back and see the IMAX. Apparently they're doing more Barbie blowout parties. I think it's a little too late at this point. Um, they're finally getting smart with its release date and they are planning... Oh, damn, excuse me. Um, they are playing it up like a Top Ma- Top Gun Maverick it is, but I wish they would have left it until, like, Top Gun Maverick didn't hit digital until Christmas, till Paramount Plus till Christmas. I think if they, they need to stretch Barbie out until it comes out at max, maybe end of October, maybe Thanksgiving time. I don't know, they just, better decision making over there at Warner Brothers. So yeah, it just continues to make money and we'll do probably, it will probably do insanely well until Taylor Swift comes, steals all of its audience, which... By the way, just had the second biggest pre-sales for one day at $37 million, only behind Avengers Endgame. It was ahead of Spider-Man No Way Home, and now it's looking like it's going to open over $100 million. I think it could hit $200, maybe $200 million, honestly. I think it could hit it. This film is going to make so much money, and it's going to dominate in theaters. The theaters really need it, because all they have these next few months is horror films, which is ridiculous. I don't know how studios schedule that stuff. But I guess this is the year of Taylor and Barbie at this point. <laughs> Next up, we have the delays of the Marvel Disney Plus series. I love we're talking about a lot of de- delays. I feel like we talk about new delays every single week at this point because actors are out of strike. They just need to uh, pay their actors and our family. But the first series I want to mention is Loki Season 2, which, thank the Lord, did not get delayed. It's the one series to remain untouched Marvel-wise. The show already had its release as trailer. It's become the biggest ever trailer for Disney Plus. I really have high hopes for the series. I think it's going to perform very well for the service. But on the stuff that they did delay, that comes out like October 6th, I believe. But the stuff they did delay. So first up, what if season two is now, which I thought was supposed to come out last year. It's kind of was in development hell for a while, but it's now rumored for a debut around Christmas of this year. I think that's really, really odd release date for the show like this. I don't really care when the show comes out. I enjoyed the first season. Um, I absolutely loved a few episodes. The Doctor Strange one, when he had to fight Chris, when he had Christine stuff, that was absolutely amazing. The murder mystery one with Hank Pym, that was again on the Avengers got murdered. Um, the stuff with Vision as Ultron was absolutely amazing. I loved all of those. I'm also probably the only defender of the Party Thor episode with him fighting Captain Marvel. I really enjoyed those episodes. But there was also, the other episodes were a lot weaker. The Captain Carter one, I didn't like that. I liked when Shut Up Multiverse Madness got sliced in half. That was entertaining. Star Lord is T'Challa. That was boring. The zombie episode, uh, I liked when Wanda came and killed everybody. Um, and the T'Challa, and, and uh, it, they were all just so bad overall. I, I liked the show, when it, which it had really high highs. And some really low lows. It, it was missing an episode, too. So that Gamora, Gamora showed up at the end in the Thanos armor. And I was like, where is this from? And it's because they delayed this episode to season two. So we're actually going to get that episode this season. Which is just, it's just so weird. It kind of feels like we're backtracking here at this point. The second season was reportedly in development hell, as I said. So I'm surprised we're seeing it as soon as we are, honestly. I thought we were going to wait to like, middle of 2024. I hope we have some really good episodes here on part with the Doctor, on par with the Doctor Strange one. Um, I think, firstly, these what if, what if episodes, they need better premises. Their premises are so bad. Like, who is asking these questions? Like, can you please come up with actually good stuff? Because T'Challa is Star-Lord. That's not it. Um, I don't think there are many cool comps. I think there are so many cool concepts we could do here that don't involve switching out one character for the other. I think, like, Captain Carter for America or T'Challa for Star-Lord. Like, it's so stupid. This They definitely need to choose better ideas. I hope they do that for a second season. The whole show is dependent on those questions. Like, I saw someone flat out, like, what if the other half got snapped? That would be so cool. But we, we know so far, the second season, there are a couple of episode titles leads. It's a Red Guardian apparently shows up, fights Winter Soldier, something like that. Goliath is apparently showing up as well, based on we saw a Lego minifigure of him. And Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne will voice him. Happy is getting the Christmas episode, which sounds absolutely awful. Wanda, it's there's like one, what if Wanda watched musicals instead of sitcoms? Could be interesting. I don't know, just the what ifs, they don't engage me at all. Like, I want some good freaking premises like do some crazy stuff you're allowed to do crazy stuff and they're not really delivering on that 
Um, I want crazy what ifs or ones that tell super compelling, super compelling stories like the Doctor Strange one. Like the Doctor Strange one, I was like, what is this? What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? I was like, what is this? And then I watched it. I was like, wow. Do more stuff like the Doctor Strange one, please. I really hope this being in development for so long leads to a really great show. But your Christmas 2023 sounds like a good date, which would mean that it released the same like the same day as Percy Jackson. I wonder if one could release at six at night, another gets seven slot. Disney's probably still too stupid to be doing that, but they should be doing that. I would absolutely love that. But expect really weekly reviews for both Percy Jackson and What If, because I will be watching both of the shows and will be wanting to talk about both of them probably, even if I don't have the highest hopes for either of them at the moment. Another show that got delayed was Echo. Now this show is a show that I have no excitement about for all. And it was originally scheduled for November 29th where they're going to drop all the episodes, which shows me that they do not have confidence in the show one bit, which sucks. Um, now the release date has been pushed back to sometime in January, random of January. That's the that's the pit. That's the, the hell pit for all those types of content. Um, I mean, I didn't like this character in Hawkeye. I absolutely love the Hawkeye show. Like, I'm saving a rewatch of it for the Christmas because I just I just really want to. But Echo wasn't a very good part of the show, and I can't believe they gave her they gave her a spinoff show. How do we give Echo from Hawkeye a spinoff show? It don't make sense. Supposedly, it's supposed to involve mystical dragons and touch on our Native American heritage. There could be some cool stuff there. And Kingpin and Daredevil are both rumored to show up. It's gonna be like a bridge between Hawkeye and then the Daredevil series. Um, I don't know. I just don't have any excitement for Echo. And pushing the show back to January is not helping. Why are we prolonging this when we don't need the writers and actors for the show promoting? You're dumping, dumping it all one day. There's pretty much, it's pretty much complete. And there's not really a ton of promotion done for the show. I said, um, this delay just seems a bit odd. Hopefully it'll be a slow week in January so I can binge it in one day and review it all. But um, I, w- I will be reviewing the show, of course, but I have no excitement for it. Next show, X-Men 97. This, this is... Um, well, this this one actually kind of ha- happy about the delay because strictly because it gives me more time to finish watching the original X Men ninety seven show um, because I've only made it six episodes so far and I just can never get back into it. I've tried two times now, but I will eventually push through and watch the whole thing. That's what I do with Rebels. COVID pushed me through that, so maybe some maybe some world calamity event will cause me to finally watch X Men ninety seven. But I haven't looked too much in the show for fear of spoilers. Like they put out concept art and stuff like that, but I haven't really looked into it because I don't want to spoil the original show for when I go and watch it. I've had some friends tell me it's really good. I just got to motivate myself to watch at this point. And X-Men 97 is supposed to debut sometime fall 2023, but now it is scheduled for early 2024, which is a really, really vague release date. I hate when they do that. Just give me a freaking month or give me a day. Just give me a day. Uh, but I, I'm assuming we're just, we'll see it around March, April time, somewhere around there. Um, this was rumored to be in development hell too. So I'm glad it's finally seen the light of day for all my X-Men fans. Um, the one delay that I'm most distraught about is Agatha, which now is called Darkhold Diaries. Um, now that we discussed about WandaVision for a second, because just talking about this today made, made me go back and start rewatching WandaVision all over again. It's just so freaking good. Agatha is an amazing part of the show, and I just love Catherine Hahn as Agatha. Agatha is going to honestly be one of my most anticipated Marvel show outside of Loki season two. I just hope the show will lead to us seeing Wanda again, because we know her kids are here. At least we know Billy is here. I don't really know about, I think the other one was named Tommy. I don't really know about Tommy, but I really hope Elizabeth Olsen comes back to the MCU because her and Captain America were my favorite characters. Captain America ain't coming back in time soon, but Wanda can. Wanda can. She didn't really die. I don't believe it. Leave Wanda back. Also, Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza was cast in the show, and I absolutely love Aubrey Plaza. Parks and Rec, White Lotus. She's amazing in everything. Especially, she's going to be a witch. Yes, please. And I love whenever Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen team up. They have great chemistry. So bring Elizabeth Olsen back, please. Um, This was originally supposed to be released sometime in winter 2023, but it's now set for a fall to Halloween date 2024. That is the perfect release date for the show. So I have to give them that, the spooky season, but it does suck. We have to wait so much longer for the show and Wanda's return. 
even though it's already wrapped, filming which sucks. I'm just, I mean, they need Catherine on promoting this out there and I'll be positive. Like they will dominate the, the circuit and get people to watch this. So, so yeah, pushing this makes me no sad because I want to see Wanda again. I need, I need Elizabeth Olsen back, please. Um, next up show is Daredevil Born Again. This show that has a relative, I have a relative amount of excitement for it, but the show was originally supposed to have a spring 2024 release date, but now has been pushed indefinitely. Next year I'm going to talk about have been pushed indefinitely. I've never seen Netflix Daredevil and I was, I was validated by that given that they are only, they're doing like a soft reboot of the character in the MCU. But I'm, what I'm really excited for, even about not seeing the show is because of Daredevil's appearance in S.H.I.E.L.D. I thought he was great in S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, with that yellow and red suit and we had that, his action scenes are really good. And I know I need to go back and watch Daredevil. People are going to be screaming at me to go back and watch Daredevil, but I also have no interest other than a few cool hallway action scenes. I just, I really don't, because if I watch that, then I don't want to watch the other ones. The other ones aren't good. I'm going to watch Luke Cage or Iron Fist. I'm like, no, I just, I don't want to. I don't want to go back to that. Also, the main reason I'm somewhat excited for the show is that they're said to be 18 episodes long. Yes. An actual show. Like, thank you right there. Please let them be relatively long episodes. Don't give me like 15 minutes, 18 episodes. That'd be awful. But give me like good 45 minutes, at least 45 minutes. That's all I'm asking, Disney Plus, 45 minutes. I think they could make really something great here. Actually, apparently, Daredevil and Kingpin are both like main characters. We're gonna follow each of their separate storylines. I hope they can be both interchanged one another because I don't want to cut back to different plot lines. But oh, can we go back to the other one till they intersect towards the end? Um, this could be really good. Um, but again, I'm not in love with Daredevil nor Kingpin. I didn't enjoy De- Kingpin's appearance in Hawkeye. Um, Hawkeye did not have the best villains besides Yelena Belova. Yelena Belova was amazing. So again, lukewarm on this show, but excitement could grow with a great trailer. Ironheart. Ironheart was originally scheduled to drop sometime this fall, but now that show has been pushed back indefinitely as well. Even though the show was already wrapped, again, we will talk about the second, but maybe they're delaying things to pad out the release schedule because they cannot film anything new. Ironheart was good in Wakanda Forever, but weaker, though, compared to other parts of the film. I absolutely love that film. That's like, it's just an emotional experience. I haven't gone back because it's very, very heavy. An experience I'll never forget, though. But I thought Ironheart wasn't the best part of the movie. I like that Anthony Ramos is in the Ironheart show and probably Mephisto, who's played by Sasha Baron Cohen. That's probably the rumor right now. So we'll see like magic versus tech, which could show off a lot of cool ideas. Again, though, I literally have no excitement for the show other than a few set photos that leaked of Riri Williams in an Iron Man costume, which looked pretty cool. Nothing amazing. So yeah, I'm not super sad this was delayed indefinitely. I don't really have feelings on Ironheart. Um, last thing to get delayed indefinitely was Wonder Man. What we don't know a ton about other than that they did start to film in stars and it stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen, who's like the villain in Aquaman. He's in a lot of Watchmen. He kind of dissed on the comic book stuff, so it kind of pissed off a lot of people. And we also have um, Ben Kingsley, who plays his character Trenton, something like that, who's in Shang-Chi and Iron Man 3. That's cool. Seen a lot of actors show up. Maybe Vision shows up here because I know uh, Wanda dated Wonder Man in comics and they had like kind of a love triangle. So I mean, how did we get Wanda or Vision appearance here? Because... He is, as I said, the character from the comics. I just want to see Wanda again at this point. Just give me Wanda again, please. Also, I do not know a ton about this character, so I'm crying. Wait, what did I read? That I'm, that they just del- I'm not crying that it's delayed indefinitely. See, my show notes sometimes are a little bit crazy. I'm, I'm not crying that they delayed indefinitely because we really didn't have a release date to begin with, so they didn't really care. Also, I, most of this information I'm getting from an article in Hollywood Reporter, there was no mention of Spider-Man Freshman Year, which is an anime show they're working on, and who knows when that's going to come out now. We just heard from the director who's been working on it, but there's no word on that, so I assume it's been delayed indefinitely as well. Um, why all this? Why all these delays? Because of the writers and actors strike, because the studio heads will not pay their actors and writers fairly, even though they have the money to pay them. Just pay these people properly. We'd not be in the situation. I wouldn't have to see 10 horror movies in the row. Please. Um, the only one I'm really sad about is Agatha, but other than that, take it or leave it. I just seen Loki season two deliver at this point, please. If that lets me down, whew. Last topic to talk about today is a Disney Plus show that is not letting me down, and that is Ahsoka. Ahsoka episode four came out. 
what a freaking episode. Spoilers, by the way, for Ahsoka episode four in here. We're going to break it all down. Absolutely amazing and just continues the trajectory of the series that I love. Um, even though it was only 40 minutes long and like 34 minutes about the, about the credits, still a lot of stuff happened here that made it feel like a much more meteor episode than last week's, which was probably around the same length, but we got a lot less stuff like big story stuff happens. So let's start off with the breakdown and go through all the major points of the episode. First of all, I love the dilemma they proposed for Sabine here. That is, Ahsoka wants her to come. Once, if it comes to it, for Sabine to destroy the map that will get Thrawn and Ezra. Because if they, they can't go, no one should be able to because they don't want to bring Thrawn back. Um, she ne Sabine never really agrees to it. Ahsoka just asks if she can count on her and Sabine says yes. So she didn't really answer the question if she could do it or not. And we'll see that come back later. So we see that Hugh Yang actually has some fighting power here when the red shirts and droids sneak up on him. And I see why he's lasted for centuries at this point. I was like, what is he going to do? And he starts beating the guy, beating the other robot. I was like, robot fight? It was awesome. But honestly, not too much Hugh Yang this episode, but I love the fight he got here. But I do love how he alerts him by turning off the power because he can't really scream. He put his mouth over the other robot. I was like, what is happening? And that alerts Ahsoka and Sabine. Sabine's like, what is he, my idiot droid doing? And Ahsoka knew it was a signal. I was like, oh, I love this right here. We have a really cool action scene with him taking out all the red shirts and droids. Um, the lightsaber plus blasters is always such a cool combination. We see more of that when we get to Balin's scene. So Ahsoka and Sabine decide to head towards the apparatus where the map is at to stop it. And they have to face Maroc and Shin. Um, we see an awesome fight breakout between Ahsoka and Maroc and then Shin and Sabine, which is like a rematch. Well, both of those are rematches at this point. But I do want to address... All of the theories that ran rampant over the past week about the identity of Maroc, they were all wrong. People were thinking it could be Ezra. That would be really stupid. They were thinking Barriott's Afi um, from Clone Wars or some other known character like Starkiller or something like that. I thought it was stupid. I was hoping we just had like someone new. Like, let's add more people to Star Wars Universe character because I really don't care about the identity of Maroc. And a lot of people were going their high horses about it. I don't care. But the review was even better than that. That Maroc seemed to be like some sort of witchcraft performed by Morgan Elizabeth. Like, maybe she was using a corpse. And putting the spirit into it but who knows when she stabbed him that spirit came out of it with the smoke with the green smoke it was unsettling surprising but it was so freaking cool i was like yes that's like the best thing it could possibly be i also love that shin fighting sabine realized that sabine didn't have any force powers at all that reaction said like you have no power she was expecting something big she didn't but then sabine still got the drop on her with the blasters and arms awesome but Ahsoka finally reaches Balin, where they have a conversation Ahsoka doesn't want to talk about her past Balin's like i knew her i knew ahsoka and I knew Anakin, and so I was like, I don't know who you are. But I still think we have a really good explanation over why Balin is doing what he's doing. He's like, for for power and for betterment of galaxy. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're awesome, Ray Stevenson. I'm so glad. Rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. He's doing an awesome, awesome job. But I wish we got more of, like, why they're doing what they're doing at this point. Maybe we'll get some backstory in later episodes or something, because Ray Stevenson is giving it us all here. Um, then we have what I believe the best lightsaber fight of the show so far. One of the best lightsaber fights I've seen of all time between Ahsoka and Balin. As Ahsoka tries to get the map and stop before the coordinates can be transmitted to the ship. Um, we just like, they both seem very, very skilled. And the moves are so cool as they're jumping back and forth while trying to grab it. It's amazing. She eventually beats and gets around him and pulls, actually pulls some really cool moves. And she gets was able to get the map, but it severely burns her hands. And that was so cool. And it felt like Ahsoka could actually get hurt for the first time in the show. I was not expecting that. Well, then she actually gets hurt, but before that, she sees Shen come back, and that look she had on her face, thinking that she lost Sabine, was perfect. It made me, it made me like feel. I was like, oh, Rosario Dawson, you did that acting, you did that acting well right there. But then we see Sabine show up and make a false threat before Balin tosses Ahsoka off a cliff at right before she threw, like, threw Shen back and slammed her head against rock. I was like, you would have some damage right there, right? <laughs> but they're fine, Jedi magic. But Balin recognizes that. Sabine wants to see Ezra, and her threats to shoot the map are in false pretenses. Um, Balin offers Sabine a chance to come with her, and she'll be with Ezra. I thought she should have negotiated safe travel, by the way, in this deal, but 
never they need some precautions but she didn't do that she's not she's not trained on the jedi the jedi um bargaining but i love the conflict of sabine i love that she made the choice to go with them to go get ezra i brought so much more depth to her character and her and hera are carrying the show at this point but sabine made the choice i honestly, i would have made honestly like i don't freaking care about the galaxy i i miss my friends <laughs> see why i don't have to make these decisions but I, I love that she made that decision it really pushed the story forward in a very interesting way i was like yes you guys actually did it also Bailey, when you saw her said that ezra is her only remaining family so i wonder if Hera and sabine aren't as close as they used to be we saw zeb pop up mandalorian but he didn't show up here so she has other family out there her mandalorian family was all murdered apparently partly due to ahsoka so i'm wondering if we're going to flashback to that like that could be crazy but i think she felt the closest to ezra although i didn't really see that in, in rebels but the bad guys get the coordinates and they power up the hyperdrive but that's when hera shows up so previously hera ignored the comments of the Senate and brought along a crew of X-Wings, one of whom was Paul Sung Lee from Mandalorian, Carson. Carson something, I don't remember his last name, but I loved him showing up. I love his character every time he shows up, and I love the actor who's a huge Star Wars fan himself. Stars one of my favorite comedies, Kim, Kim, Kim's Convenience, and he's also in there. But Hera and him and a few others set out on a mission to try to figure out what's going on. Once they get there, they try to block the ship, but it immediately jumps to hyperspace anyways. And this was the coolest part of the episode as the ships go crazy flying around as they all get thrown up, crashing into each other. It really shot me. I knew they weren't going to pull Last Jedi and kill everybody because I'm like, that's all the main character. Since Hera, especially since Hera brought her kid with her. I was like, there's no way they're killing off Hera and her kid. But what happened was so cool. Caught me so off guard. I loved it. So Hera is in the upper atmosphere with a few X-Wings left. Sabine and the film, Sabine and the villains are on their way to get Thrawn and Ezra, get Thrawn, Ezra. And then Hugh Yang is on the planet surfaced. Uh, wondering where the heck everybody went. And where did Ahsoka, after she fell off her, for her fake death off the cliff, why nothing other than this world between worlds, which popped up between popped up in Rebels. So it's kind of like a time travel mechanic, but also not, because it's like a fixed timeline. Um, but we see none other than Hayden Christensen back, Christensen back as Anakin. This didn't really surprise me like it did with other people, because he already came back for Obi-Wan. So it wasn't we knew he was going to be in the show, too. It also came out that he would be in Episode 5. So I was like, oh, we'll see him there. But it was kind of shocking, because he showed up in Episode 4, not Episode 5. It wasn't a huge surprise, but it's great to see Ahsoka and Anakin finally interact in live action. Also, the de-aging looks much better than how they did in Obi-Wan. I don't think they tried de-aging there. They probably used some of the de-aging tech they developed for Indiana Jones 5 here. But yeah, incredible ending to one of the best episodes of the show so far. Probably one of the best Star Wars episodes I've ever seen. I absolutely love this. Next week can't come soon enough. They're actually doing like a movie. They're showing the episode off in movie theaters, which is really cool. But they're nowhere near my area, so they're and Dave Filoni is directing this episode, so it's going to be a huge episode. It's going to be absolutely crazy. Also, lastly, for this episode four, I want to mention that Peter Ramsey directed this episode. He directed the episode five of Mandalorian season three, which I wasn't too impressed by. It was probably like the third best episode of that show. It was entertained. That was like the attack on Naboo, and he delivers in spades here. Absolutely amazing. He's also a director on Across the Spider Verse. He's an upcoming talent to look out for at the moment. I hope next week can carry on this momentum. It said, as I said, the runtime is supposed to be in the high 40s, and especially Dave Filoni's episode. And it's also Rosario Dawson's favorite episode. So I think we're in store for something good, including some Clone, Clone Wars flashbacks, maybe. Who knows? But Ahsoka was really freaking good. Last up, as for what's coming next week, the only big movie coming next week is a Haunting in Venice. My family and I absolutely love the first two Hercule Poirot mystery movies. Both of them I'd find the same quality level, Murder on, Murder, on the, Murder on the Orient Express and The Death on the Nile. They're both awesome. I know a lot of people don't love those movies, but I really do. My sister is super excited for this movie. She's actually mad because I didn't tell her it was coming out until she saw an ad like a week ago. She was mad because I didn't inform her. I thought she knew. But this is going to have more horror elements along with the murder mystery plot. Michelle Yeoh, Tina Fey are here, a big stars here. It's cool to see Michelle Yeoh outside of just like an action flick. Just give me a suspenseful mystery with good 
good reveals and I will be quite pleased. I hope they keep making these movies along with Knives Out Mysteries until the end of time. I love me some Hercule Poirot and Benoit Blanc. Their names are just so much fun to say. But that'll do it for this week's episode of Seen It All. What did you think of Nun 2 and Ahsoka episode 4? What delays are you most saddened by? And why is it definitely Agatha? It should be Agatha. Daredevil's a su good substitute, but Agatha is what I'm most sad about. And why do you think Equalizer 3 overperforms so much? It has to be Denzel right? It has to. But thank you all so much for watching. Make sure to follow, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Find me on my socials. All the links are down below. But thank you all again for so much watching, and have a good night.